0: Okay, now we've been doing a a series on freedom in Christ and exploring the ideas of being free in Jesus, the freedom that Jesus brings us when we give our lives to him. God never intended us to be living life with chains around our lives. God never intended us to be chained up with um, habits and chained up with addictions that that would destroy us. God never intended us to be emotionally ensnared with things that we could never shake. God's plan for our life was that we would be free. He says, if you believe in the Son, the Son will make you free and you will be free indeed. You will be free in all. You'll listen to the truth. truth, He will tell you the truth and the truth will set you free, he says. Jesus said he came to give his life and life more abundantly, not just life, not an existence, but an abundant life, And so we can see how much mess the devil has really done to humanity you know, in terms of the problems and the brokenness in humanity. You only have to listen to the 6 o'clock news or the 7 o'clock news, whatever news you listen to. And you can see how dismally broken and enslaved this world is. But Jesus came to give us life and he came to give us freedom. And so we're looking at that. We're looking at uh, that new life that Jesus came to give us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse that 2 Corinthians is a book in the New Testament and it's uh, sort of middle way through the New Testament. We read these verse, this verse in chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, or if Christ is in any part, if a person gives their lives to Jesus and starts to walk with Jesus, that's what the term in Christ means. It's like you're in the boat with Jesus. He says, he is a new creation. That means he's been made new. It says, the old has gone, the new has come. So we, we're in a situation where the Bible says that we're given life. He says that if, if you have the son, you have life. And whoever does not have the son does not have life. Now, we know what not having life was like because we came from a place of brokenness, a place of death. And there's not one person here that was born right. I know mean, my dad was pretty close to it, but, you know, yeah, no, nah, he was a sinner just like everybody else. <clears throat> um, my mum well she was bad all the time too but <laughs> I wasn't very good to start with my wife was really really good but you know she, everybody stuffed up somewhere along the line the bible says for all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory I mean God has a standard and there is not one person who's been able to keep that standard everybody is broken And whether you feel like you're really, really broken here and yet more broken than anybody else or whether you feel like you're partially broken, it doesn't really matter. When God looks at you, you are smashed, you are broken. That's it. You can't... If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I mean, if you put your iPhone into some water and let the water soak into your iPhone, you know it's not going to work, you know. And if this... it, it might look all right but it's not going to work you can hit it with a hammer and it's not going to work I mean one looks like it's all together but it's not working and the other one looks smashed and it's not working sometimes we make comparisons about ourselves I don't look like I'm smashed hey but the water got on you're not working you're busted you know some of us look like we're not broken but we're all broken so you can't judge by appearances You've got to judge with what God's word says. We're all broken, so we're all equal. That's a commonality. Hey, turn to the person beside you. Hey, good to see you, smashed one. Turn around to the person and say, I like your bustedness. <laughs> well, that's our commonality. Well that's where we're all common you know, if you it's not our commonality it's not racial or commonality because some of you come from different parts of the country you' got some different com- different nationalities our commonality is that we are all commonly broken and we need someone to fix us and if we have Jesus, we are fixed if we don't have Jesus, we are not fixed amen and so the way we got fixed was Father called us now that's the Holy Spirit he does this sort of work why whereby he comes and it's, he starts to mess with you on the inside. He starts to convict you. The word convict the word is like convinces you that you're in the wrong place, doing the wrong thing. We get this sense of conscience inside of us that says, oh, man, there's some judgment coming. There's something happening inside of me. I'm in the wrong place. You know, this is I'm at the wrong place at the wrong time and some bad stuff's going to happen. And we get that sense and awareness. It's not because the world is telling you you're bad, wicked, and venous and going to be severely blamed and punished. Not because anybody, we, we don't want to know that. We don't want to know we're bad. We don't want to know that we're going to be punished. But that understanding or that awareness, God comes and tells us. Everybody else says, don't, 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 don't worry about it. Everybody does it. It's okay. It's cool. It's just steady on there. Just don't, don't make yourself feel guilty. But guess what? We can't shake it. It's got inside of us. How did it get there? God, he's got his finger inside. He says, come on now. You're broken. Come to me. Come to me, he's saying. And when we go to Jesus, Jesus says these words. He says, come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest, he says. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, and I I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so inside, somewhere along the line, Thank God somebody came up to us and said, you know, come to Jesus. Come and find out the rest you got in Jesus. And we responded because God was speaking on the inside and, and God sent somebody to speak to us and together we responded. We walked toward God. I remember the day that you, you, uh, you know, you'd had an encounter with God on the road, you know. You'd lay down in the middle of the road and said, well, if you're going to kill me, God, kill me, you know. And that was like, you'd reached the end of yourself, Carlos. At the very, and then one day you came along to church, you know, and, 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 you know, that was the journey that God was leading you on, Carlos, you know. And you could see, you know, God was in the process of doing something. We're all in that place, you know. God is moving us from where we were to where he wants us to be. He's taking us from a place of brokenness and fixing up all the bits and pieces. And he's calling us and we get heavy laden. We get to that place, like Carlos got to the place. He said, I had enough. So if a truck comes across the top of the hill and it kills me, so be it. Remember that? You remember that? So be it. I've had enough. (coughs) And he says to us, come to me. (coughs) Come to me and you'll find rest for your souls. And so we come to him. (coughs) And when we come to him, the Bible tells us that if we believe on him, he gives us the power to become Children of God. That's great, isn't it? So we enter into a family. You come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm coming to you now. Will you cleanse me? And he says, You know what? I'm going to do more than give you a wash. I'm going to adopt you into my family. So now you're part of a family. If you didn't have a family before, you got one now. If you've got Jesus in you, you're a family. Everybody say, Good to see you, family. You your family. Yeah, Brad is my brother. And Kathy's my sister. And Jesus is my brother and he's my father. And I don't know what he is. He's everything to me, isn't he? And we're part of a family now. It says, not of natural descent. That means a child, the child that Olga is carrying or walking with now, can't become be born a Christian. Daisy is not a Christian because she was born to Jade and Darren. Give birth to a child. There's a child, a Christian child. You don't get born again by being born of natural descent because then you'd have to get married into the right, and born into the right family. Everybody is broken. I, I, there's a certain covering and a protection if you'd be born to a, a Christian family but you still have to make a choice to follow God because you, because your parents' faith does not cover you. You have to make your own choice to follow God. Everybody has to make their decisions. When you grow old enough and you understand what it's going to take, you have to make that decision. So it's not of natural descent, nor is it of human decision. So it's not even you saying, well, I, I'm going to live in the pub and do the stuff in the pub and do you know all the stuff that the world wants. I'm going to live there for it. And then after I've had my drink and I've filled myself up and I've done as many bad things as I want to do and I'm tired of the bad things, then I'm going to choose to follow Jesus. Doesn't work that way. You can't choose to follow. None of you chose to follow Jesus. Oh yeah, I know you. You, you said. Oh, yeah, somebody said to you, "Want to follow Jesus?" And you said, "Oh, you made a choice. To made a decision to follow Him." Then, but you wouldn't have been able to make that decision had not God got into your head beforehand and started working by His grace and pulling you to Himself. You didn't get to that place to make a decision for God without God already making a decision for you. He comes to you and he starts working on you. He starts making you feel like your life's a mess. He starts saying to you, you've got to go somewhere. I've got to bring you somewhere. And he starts working with his Holy Spirit in you and then he gets you to a place where you think, I can make a decision now. But before that takes place, you would never make a decision. You know, I've sat down and talked to numbers of people. Do you want to follow Jesus? Will you just go and get... They're not interested... There's nowhere near a decision. How come you got to the place where you want to make a decision for Jesus? I'll tell you now, it was not a human decision. It was born of God. God did it. He started working you before you even, knew, even recognized God existed. He started working. He started moving on you. He started pressing you. He started showing you stuff. He started making you uncomfortable with your life. Started working on you. He's, he's the loving father who goes and looks for you and to find you, to bring you home. And you respond to him. You don't choose this. That's why when you hear him and you feel him and you feel his drawing you like this, when you feel him, don't harden your heart because if your heart, there's no guarantee he's going to come back and say, Come back to me again. That's scary. That bit there is really scary. Because if you say, well, No, not today, tomorrow, he might just say to you, Well, the offer was today. Tomorrow you miss out. Oh, that's a bit scary. I mean, God is ever loving and always forgiving and always gracious. I know he probably won't, but you can push him away and keep on pushing him away and keep on pushing him away. And the Bible says, you know, if you keep on doing that, you keep on doing that, one day you might push too far and you won't get a chance to come back. So That's a bit scary. He says, not a human decision, nor of a husband's will. You can't be forced to do this, you know. I come in and I'll listen, hikey. Unless you unless you accept Jesus as your personal savior, I'm going to beat you up. Ah, oh, beat me, beat! Me. No. no, I can't force her. I can't get a sword and say you die, or you or or you receive Jesus. This, this is not force. You can't force somebody to do this. This is an, a, a response of the heart to God. A response of the heart to God, responding to God and saying, "You are." doing business with me right now and I recognize you're doing business with me and I'm going to stop here right now and say I acknowledge that this is not just this person talking at me but you're talking to me you're here talking to me and he says yeah I'm here talking to you he says now I'm making you a son I'm making you a daughter you're part of the family good to be part of the family amen and that's what it says in 1 John chapter 3 verse 1. It says, see what great love the Father has lavished on him. The word lavish means to pour out abundantly over us. It's like he, like I give you a little present, you know, here's a dollar, you know, here's a present, all You know, but no, I'm going to lavish it on you now. When you get to the table, I'll get you your $5. When you open the door, here's a brand new car with the keys. That's it, you know. And that's going to take you to your new house. There it is. There, that's lavishing on somebody. So that's what God does for us. He said, you know, so we, we come to Jesus I, I just like to be clean. I mean, the big thing for me is I feel dirty inside. I just like to be feeling clean inside. So he doesn't even really make me clean. He says, here, I've got some new clothes for you to wear. He said, oh, nice new clothes. He says, I've got a nice new house for you to live in. It's the house, the temple of God. You come and live in, I've got a new family for you. new family, I don't have a family. He's got a new family for you. I've got a new table for you to sit at and it's got new food on it. It's like... When does this blessing end? It doesn't. He lavishes it upon us. One blessing on top of another blessing on top of another blessing. And as you go through life, I have learned, and I'm older now, this thing called age has crept up and bitten me. (laughs) I remember when I was young. Last Friday, I remember that far back. But age has bitten me now. And all through my life, I know one thing. Jesus is faithful. What he promises, he does. He is always there, always following through, always there for us. To lavish his love upon us and to help us to move on in him. Amen. We're called children of God. Turn around to the person beside you and say, I like being part of this family. Do you really? Say it again with some conviction. I like being father's family. Well, I'd rather be here than in jail, wouldn't you? Hey. <laughs> Hallelujah. i <laughs> well, take your pick. Inside or outside here in this family? I think I'd rather be here. <laughs> Amen. But our new identity, so that's a new identity. That's a, this is, you have a new identity. You say, who am I? Who am I? You know, the world is looking for who they are. You say, you know, do you want to find, uh, you want, would you like to give your heart to Jesus? I've just got to find myself first. Well, where did you lose yourself? With, well, I, I don't know where I put myself. Maybe it was under the bed this morning, but I'm looking for myself. How many years are you going to spend looking for yourself? Well, I don't know, as long as I can find myself. And when, when you find yourself, how do you know you found yourself? Because I think I see you there. I mean, here you are. You know, here you are. I'm just what do you mean by finding yourself? What people mean by saying, I want to find myself, is they want to find their purpose in life. You can't find your purpose in life without finding Jesus because he is the purpose of our lives. He gives us purpose. You want to know why people have lost themselves? Because they lost Jesus. As soon as they find Jesus, they find purpose. They discover themselves. Your life, the Bible says, is hid with Christ in God. That's where you find yourself. Find yourself in Christ. You'll find your new identity. You'll find out who you are. The Bible Says you have a new identity, but it, this is a life of faith. It's not something that you can just say, okay, all right, then that's it. it, settles it. I know it settles it, but tomorrow you might wake up and you might feel a shady in the head. What are you going to do then? I don't feel like I've. I, did I lose it again? Did it walk somewhere? What happened to it? My new life, I mean, you know, I, I went to bed feeling really confident and I woke up this morning feeling not so confident. But listen, it doesn't matter what your feelings go, whether they go up and down. This is li- not a life of sens- sensualness. It's not a life of emotion. It's not like we have to come here and feel, get pumped and pumped and pumped, and then oh, oh, I've got Jesus in my life, and I'm going for it now. Brad, have you got Jesus in your life? Have you got Jesus? Oh, give me a high five. Yeah, we all got Jesus, and we're pumping, 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 and we live this life of incredible pump. We're pumped, pumped, everything is pumped, you know. And stop. Life is not like that. That's what everybody's looking for, the highs. Let's get into the highs. Jesus says, you know, this is life. You know, you're going to have highs and you're going to have lows. And what you've got is not dictated to a high or to a low. It's a constant. It's just I am and you are with me. And that's a constant, whether you're a high or whether you're a low, whether you're feeling good or whether you're feeling bad, whether you're feeling sick or whether you're feeling well. It doesn't really matter. I'm here with you and I'll help you go through the whole lot. And we all said, praise God for that. Because life just gives you some horrible tests. Sometimes they throw things at you and you think, whoa, that was a bad thing that just hit me then. And you know what? We're not alone. We've got Jesus with you. So what's this life of faith like? Well, everybody has faith. Everybody has faith. Even a person who says, I don't believe in God, believes in something. Let me explain to you why they believe in something. Well, it's because we don't know everything. If I knew everything, I wouldn't have to have any faith at all. I would just know. I know. Sometimes you talk to somebody, I know, I know, I know, I know. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. I know, I know. Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't need to say anything. They already know. Um, I'll be there at four o'clock in the morning, you know. I know, I know. Well, how do you know that? You've got to have faith that I'll be there at four o'clock in the morning to pick you up to go surfing. You've got to have faith to believe that. You know, you've got to have faith that I'm going to. You don't know that I'm going to be there at four o'clock in the morning until I get there at four o'clock. Before I get there, you don't know. And when you don't know, you've got to believe. Now, you might believe on the premise of my character of always turning up. When I, tell, I say that I'm turning up, you say, you, you said before that you'd turn up, and so I believe you now that you're going to turn up. And you might have confidence that I'll turn up. But you've still got to have confidence, which is faith everybody's got faith you got faith they sit on the chair sit on a chair why didn't you not sit on the chair well, you believe that the chair would support you if I said to you be careful where you sit there's a chair that we've sabotaged and one of these chairs if you sit upon it shall fall on a heap on the floor so we're not going to tell you which one it is just be careful you know what you would be doing if I said that to you when you come in the room you'll be going like this why would you be doing that You'll be doing that because you'll be testing the chair to see if that's the one that's been cut. You'd push it down and say, ah, it's not going to fall. And I've got confidence now because I tested it, I can sit on it. Yet you, you see, you, you exercise, everybody exercises faith. We go over to the light switch. We go over there in the morning. We turn the light switch on. We're going to have a shave. We turn it on. Why do we go there? We believe that as soon as we switch it on, the power will surge through and turn the light on it. If there was a power strike or something in the light wasn't, the energy wasn't in the wall, the electricity wasn't in the wall, we wouldn't walk over there. We'd just go and get a candle. But because we believe the power's in the joint, we go and turn it on. We all exercise faith, but that's not saving faith. It's faith. Because we don't know. We don't know everything. We don't have the capacity to know anything. God didn't make us to know everything. And because we're not made to know everything, obviously God wants us to. Believe, to have faith. And so this walk with Jesus is a life of faith. And for the believer, Proverbs chapter 3 says it all. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. That means don't rest your weight on the way that you see things. You know, we grow up, you know, I think about some of the things that I thought when I was younger and the way I was taught when I was younger. And that's given me a certain persuasion about how life is, a picture, if you like. Now, my picture is different to Damore's picture. Damore has been brought up in a different place and in a different family, in a different environment. So his picture, his big picture of life is completely different to my picture in life. We have different pictures. We have different ideas about... But, and so our understanding can be different. So when I see a situation... I go to my big picture and say, how does that fit into, my, into the big picture of my understanding? And I can say, oh, yes, so this is what it is, one, two, three. When Damore looks at it, when he looks at it and he says, now let's go to his big picture of understanding, and he looks and he says, how does this fit into my big picture? And he goes, three, two, one. Because that's a different view from his. we got all got different understandings. We've all come from different places. We've all got a different mind about something. And if we sit down and we go, well, I'm going to rest all of my weight on what I'm thinking or what I've experienced in life before, you're going to get sadly, sadly screwed up. Because your history will not prepare you for your future, nor should it. Your your history shouldn't determine your future, nor should it. Sometimes your history can't give you any indication about where God wants you in the future. You can't depend or lean on your history. It's always been that way. As soon as I get a girlfriend, she dumps me. Therefore, I'll never get a girlfriend again. Well, that's a bad presence, isn't it? Especially when God brings you the right girl along. And says, now this is the girl you should marry. Well, I said, well, I'm not marrying anybody. I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a man, minister of the cloth. I'm never going to get married. Well, I had an engage, a girl who I was engaged to and she dumped me. I had a girl that I was going out with when I was younger and she dumped me. Well, I've learned something about girls. They dump you. You know what? We don't need them in our lives. We just love Jesus. We're going to follow Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm going to be a, celery, a celibate. Celibate. I'm going to be single for God. (laughs) Well, my history, my understanding tells me that's the safest way to be. Stay away from those terrible girls. They're going to hurt you and cut your heart out, you know. And I want to be loved. And so you don't mess with the girls because they can't love you. Like Jesus can love you. He will never leave you, nor will he ever forsake you. Where you may boldly say, the Lord is my lover. I love Jesus best. Nothing wrong with that. And he says, but you can't do what you have to do without you marrying this girl. And that was not my understanding. My understanding says don't get acquainted with girls. But he said, you're like her. Her name is Jenny. Jenny Galeen. I thought, okay, that's a bit of an odd one. Well, not that Jenny was odd, but that was you know, out of the wrinkle. I don't feel like I, I'm sort of emotionally attached to her. I don't feel like I'm infatuated. In fact, I'm not sitting there going, wow, what a choice. I might be saying that now, but not. <laughs> not leaning on your own understanding. Because our understanding will tell us one thing. you know, And the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't lean on your understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. So I said, okay, I'll submit to you. Went away and prayed about it. And then when I finished praying about it, God's saying to me, she's the one. I think, okay, let's ask her out and get, ask her to marry me. First date. We're first date too. And he will make your path straight. And that's, it's the best thing I ever did when I asked that little girl out. She was wonderful. She said yes on the first date. Amazing, eh? Look, God will take you places and do things with you that you will not understand. And so you cannot rest on your own understanding. You can't go back to your history. You can't go back to the grid. You can't go back to your mind and say, oh, I'm going to make choices according to what I've experienced. You can't do that because God's going to take you someplace new. So nothing that you've experienced in the park is going to help you in the, in the new place. You've got to trust him and say, lead me on, Lord Jesus. Take me by the hand. Where are you, where are you ever going to lead me? I've never been before, so I can't even make a judgment where that is you've never been there before, you just got to have faith, you've got to believe, oh it's scary isn't it, let's go, what's going to happen, I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen but I know when I'm going to get there, I'm right in the middle of God's plan, do you know what tomorrow will bring, do you know what next week will bring, do you know the good shifts or the, the good things or the hardships that will come, none of you do But are you going to follow that with Jesus or are you going to try and do it your own way and try and control your circumstances to keep your own life together? Listen, that's a dangerous remedy for disaster. The best thing is put your hand in Jesus and walk with him. It's a life of faith. In Proverbs chapter 28, verses 25 to 26, it says, the greedy stir up conflict. That's a person who's looking after their own ends. I want for me. They stir up conflict. But those who trust in the Lord will prosper. The word prosper means... He'll make them wealthy and rich and and, and healthy and wise. They'll do good. They'll be successful. Those who trust in themselves, he says, are fools. Well, our society says, believe in yourself. I just want to say that the reason I got to the top of Australian Idol is I believed in myself. You know, I believed in myself a couple of times. And guess what I discovered about myself? I would let myself down. Oh, you probably never ever had that experience. You probably never ever said to yourself, you know what? I'm going to do this. I've had a New Year's resolution and I'm going to stop all the bad things that I did last year and I'm going to go and I'm going to, I'm going to believe in myself to do the right thing. And you marched off into the new year. You've never done this, have you? Marched into the new year and the first day into the new year you stuffed up because you believed in yourself, but you couldn't follow through. The one thing that I learned about believing in yourself is you're a faulty vessel. You'll let yourself down every time. I promise I'll never do that again. And you do it within half an hour. You've done it again. I'll be good from now on. You'll see. And you fail every time. That's why the Bible says he who believes in himself or trusts in himself is a fool. And why is that? Because you're broken, and if you're broken, you can't, you can't do it. You can't, you can't do the thing that you want to do. You're busted. But those who walk in wisdom are kept safe, it says. Hebrews 11, chapter verse, the 11th chapter of Hebrews, verse 6, said these words, but without faith, without faith or without believing in God, it's impossible to please God. You say, well, I want to please God. Well, you've got to have faith. You've got to believe. That means you can't see what is coming. You don't know what's coming. But you're going to believe and trust and rely on God anyway. What do you believing? Anybody who comes to him, it says, must believe that he exists. So there is a God. You don't sit there saying, I wonder if there's a God or not. I wonder if I'm disbelieving in rubbish, you know. I wonder if really if, if, if I'm just sitting here believing that there is a God and doing the hardship to be right? Whereas I could be taking drugs and doing all the wrong things and enjoying myself and then falling in disaster and stuffing myself up. But, but maybe I'm just believing and there's no God at all. Ever had those thoughts come through your mind? Ever ever, ever thought that, that? You have? Rachel's so small and you've thought that? I'm, I'm surprised. I didn't think that those sort of thoughts came to anybody except people like me. You've spent your whole life preaching the gospel. Maybe what if there's no God? <laughs> well that's a waste of time isn't it listen there is a source of those thoughts and that source is called the devil and he's quite happy to feed those thoughts into your head to undermine your faith to try and take away your confidence you're doing all the hard yards. You're doing all the things that you know you have to do, Michaela. You're doing all the things that God wants you to do. You're, you're pushing through and you're pressing on and doing the hard yards. And then he says, you know, you're doing all this pain for no gain because there's no God. He say, well, why do I work so hard? Why do I read my Bible if there's no God? He tries to stop you. It's the devil whispering. And he's climbed onto your shoulder and he's got into your ear and says, hey, hey Michaela. You know, you're going too hard for this God thing. Just cool down, relax a bit, you know. Maybe there is no God. Why? The devil doesn't want you to be hot. You know why he doesn't want you to be hot? Because those who trust in the Lord do good and are prosperous. So he doesn't want you to trust in God. He wants you to go halfway and then stop. He likes the, the wheat that comes out of the ground. It's, oh, yes, we've got Jesus. And then the sun comes out. It's got no depth in it. He wants you to burn you up right there. and then. He wants to take away your faith. He says, but you must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly, diligently seek him. Do you know what earnestly and diligently looks like? Earnestly and diligently doesn't look like, oh, I suppose I'll go to church today. That's not earnest and diligently. Earnest and diligence. Whoa, let's get to church today. I really want to be at church today. You know, I don't want to miss out one day at church because, you know, when I'm at church, when I'm with my family and our family gets together, God is with us and we, and we get this sense of his purpose and, and we've got to do something together. Yeah, I wouldn't miss it for, for anything. I'm going to be here. That's earnestly. It's like I said, if I give you everybody, well, <laughs> I'll motivate you with your wallet, okay? Everybody who comes next week, I'll give 150 bucks to. Ho, 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 ho. oh we'd see some earnestly then wouldn't we oh we'd see some real earnest then oh let's get to church for 150 bucks or maybe i'll give you a goldfish you know some some churches give away goldfish you, you hear that did you hear that come to church and get your free goldfish i could give you a goldfish in a bag you know uh, and and you know that's the way to get people to church give them a goldfish you know Jesus said, Come on, let's have, let's have a meal. You know, give them some food, you know, get them to church by I'll come they Earnestly seeking the food. Rather, Jesus says, You seek me because I filled your stomach, but you didn't seek me to believe in me. He says, There are lots of things that we can attach to our life that we would earnestly seek, but we're not really seeking Jesus. Jesus says, earnestly and diligently seek God. Not the things that God gives you, seek Him. Seek Him. I want God in my life. I want this person of Jesus in my life. I want to have a relationship with God whereby God lives within me. I want to be one with God inside. Not with what he gives me. I don't want his presence. I want him. I want him and his person with me. Diligently seek him. When everybody wants to snore, you know what? And he wakes me up in the morning. He says, get up and let's have a chat I said, "Wow, God's coming, and He's come and woke me up, and He wants to have a chat." Well, you know, just go away, you know, and let me sleep some more. Diligently, is God wake me up? Oh, I oh, get get up and have a shower, have a shave. Let's get into the other room. Hello, God. What are we talking about today? You're telling me things that are going to happen today. You're instructing me on how I should be walking today. You're giving me some inside information. Yes, I'm giving you everything you need to know for life and God in this because you diligently and earnestly seek me. You might ask yourself the question why is it that I haven't heard from God lately? Why is it my life feels a little bit flat lately? Why is it I'm not coming up with some prophetic utterance at church? Oh, this is what God wants to say. Or or why is it I don't feel some sense of his presence with me and and, and and that I've got something with God? Why is it that I... It's because you're not diligently, earnestly seeking him. Those things come to you when you are passionate about him. When you say, let's go for God. You say, oh, we'll go for God if everybody else is going to go for No, 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 no. God is not looking for everybody else to go for God. He seeks for one person. He's looking for, I look for a man. My eye searches the word for one person that he would stand in the gap. He's looking, He could. I couldn't find any. I'm looking for one. God is looking for you to show diligence, to show earnestness. Don't worry about anybody else. They'll all get the message. They'll all get earnest. They'll all get diligent. Just get to it. He rewards those who are earnestly, diligently seeking him. This is what faith is. What is faith? It is trust. Trust is a big issue in our day because we learn not to trust each other, okay? We've been around long enough to know that if we open ourselves up to trust anybody, and Christian people, I have discovered, are the worst kind. Seriously. Because sometimes you open yourself up because you think you're safe and then they stab you in the back and they walk away. And sometimes it can be the worst thing because you're so busted and you're so broken and you're so need and you open yourself up to somebody and they stab you in the back. So we all got a big trust problem, hey? Everybody here has got a trust problem. How much do I trust you? How much do you trust me? Well, we've got to work on that. We've got to work on that real good to try and trust each other and trust Jesus in each other so that we can move on. Because faith is a walk of trust. Where there is love, there is trust. Trust and love go together. If there's a problem with love, well, then you'll have a problem with trust. And while I don't want to put fear in your heart about being part of this family, I want to make you aware that it's risky to trust people. And you already know that and it's hard for you to open up. But I'm saying to you, look, trust Jesus in a person and open up and let God do the work of trusting. He will comfort you. If somebody stabs you in the back, he will hold you and he will support you and he will carry you on. That's their problem, not your problem. It's their lack of trust, not your lack of trust. It's better that you trust and get hurt than you not trust at all. It's better for you to move out into the open place and say, I'm going to abandon myself of the distrust and I'm going to learn to love and to trust. And if you get hurt, well, Jesus, you look after me because I trust you want me to do this. So we've got a problem with trust. Some of us are more more trusting than others. Others have been hurt so long that we, but he's saying here, Jesus never trust. Jesus never hurt you. You can trust him. You can have reliance on him. You can depend on him. He won't let you down. And you know, other people may let you down. Even people that you think shouldn't let you down. They may let you down. But if you have Jesus at the core of you, if you put your trust, your reliance, and your dependence on him, you will not fall. You will never fall. No matter what happens in life, no matter who does it to you in life, you will be successful because your trust is in the right person. Amen? Our faith is only beneficial as the object of our faith is reliable. The object of my faith will be here right now, the chair. This is the object of my faith. I'm going to exercise faith on the chair. My faith is only beneficial, it only works for me, as reliable as the chair is. It is folly for me to believe and have faith that the chair will hold me up if there is a fault in the chair. If I don't know that there is a fault in the chair and I sit myself down on the chair and the chair collapses underneath me, my faith was misplaced. My faith can only be as beneficial to me as the chair is enabled to hold me up. My faith will only benefit me if the chair is good. If the chair is not good, my faith is wasted. So when you exercise your faith, your faith can only ever be beneficial enough as the thing that you're expressing your faith in or the person that you're expressing your faith in is worthy to come through for you. That's why if I express my faith in in Pastor Noel here and say I'm going to express my faith here, and believe, and if if somehow there's a breach in the relationship and my faith I I trust and and he betrays my trust or I betray his trust because we're trusting one another. It's simple, you know. We're both flawed. But Jesus is not flawed. While I may be flawed, while Pastor Noel may be flawed, Jesus is never flawed. He is perfect. So he will not fail. We may fail one another, but he will never fail us. And if we hang on to him, we can hang on to each other real good. Because even though we may fail one another, at least he keeps us together and we can stay together. And that's how marriage works. Because in marriage, you can't guarantee it. You know, it's, it's, you're know, you not going to have a perfect marriage. It goes, oh, up there and the birds sing and everything. And the, oh, the trees clap their hands. and Oh, everything is, oh, isn't it just beautiful? A marriage made in heaven. You know what? There are no such things. Marriages are made on earth and they finish at death. To death, to his part. They're not made in heaven, they're made here. And God gives us the grace to make it work through the. That's why you make the vows for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer in sickness and in health. To death, to his part. You get that tap? Did you feel that tap? That's just, That's why you make those vows. Because you know it's not always going to be. You see a lot of things from up here where I sit. You know, you should stand. You should actually stand here when I'm preaching. You know, yeah. You think you, you know, it's like men who sit in the car and they're picking their nose in the car. They think no one else can see them while they're picking their nose or they're driving along. Yeah, it's like that. I'm sitting up here. You forget that I'm watching you. You know, so whatever you do, I can see. You go to sleep, I can see that too. (laughs) I'm not going to go there. So our faith is only as good as the person that we're putting our faith into. And this is what Jeremiah says in Jeremiah chapter 7. Jeremiah is in the Old Testament. It's one of the Old Testament prophets. He says, cursed is the one who trusts in man. He says, it's a bad thing, hey, trusting in someone else. If I put my trust in you, he says, you're, you're cursed. Who draws strength from mere flesh, whose heart turns away from the Lord. You know, some people say, you know, I'm not going to, put faith in God I need someone physical around me so that I can depend and rely upon somebody physically and so they substitute God for a person this is a stupid crazy thing you know I you know um you sometimes you you can love a person so much that that you love that person too much you know you love them more than you love God you can't imagine that and then that person says you know I don't want to go to church anymore Oh, I want to follow God. Well, you, 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 you feel like a drawn, like, oh, I love God. I love you. I love God. I love you. Oh, if I go for God, I'll lose you. Oh, if I go for God, I'll lose you. Yeah, I'm not interested in God. I've had it. I've had it up to here. I, 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 I want to find myself. I want to get out of my, into my life and do what I want to do. Well, now you're in a bind, aren't you? Because if you love God and you love this person, whose love is going to be stronger? Are you going to say, okay, I love God more than I love you? You ought to. Because the scripture says you've got to love God most above everyone. Well, that's the hard thing, you know. He puts a trust in man. It's a curse to you. Oh, you've got to trust one another. Let me me say, you've got to trust one another. But don't put all your eggs in that basket. Don't you even trust me that much. You put all your eggs in that basket and I'm going to break those eggs for you. I'll let you down. The Bible says you trust God and keep praying for God to keep me safe. Then you put your trust in me. Don't put your trust in me and not in God. Put your trust in God and then believe God to keep me safe. And I'll do the same for you. I'm not going to trust you. I'm going to trust God in you. I'm going to trust. God is able to keep you. When I look at Jesse, I say, you've got a future in front of you, man. It's, it's begun. It's, it's going to keep on going. And I'm going to, I'm not even trusting you to be able to do that. Because I don't know whether you can keep up to my expectations. I'm trusting Jesus in you to do that. That's a whole lot better. Because I know he's faithful. I know he was steady. I know if, you, if you stumble, he'll, he'll be there to, to shake you up and to pick you up. You know, I'm trusting Jesus. I'm not expecting you to do something Stupid, I'm expecting you to listen to Jesus and I'm trusting Jesus. That's the way around it, you know. We don't have to put our trust in man. The person who will be like, he says, that person will be like a bush. The person who puts his trust in a man will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in parched places of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. That's not a good outcome, is it? You put your trust in people, you know, you ended up for the desert. You ended up for a dry and barren place. And isn't that the truth? How many times have you heard the story, I'll never trust anybody ever again? You know why? We ended up in this dry, barren place. Our hearts are so dry and parched and barren because we trusted, and they would that we were broken and we were deserted. And I, don't ask me to do that again, Mark. Because if you're asking me to do that, I just can't come to that. I've been living in the desert way too long. Who's feeling me? Who's feeling me? I've been in a li- living in the desert way too long. Yeah. Well, you put your trust in men. That's what happens. He says, "Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord." It's a matter of faith. Trust in Jesus whose confidence is in him, and they will be like a tree planted by water. That sends out its roots by the stream It does not fear when heat comes It leaves are always green It has no worries in the year of drought And it never, and it's never fails to bear fruit And what's that? That's you put your trust in God You will be like a tree that's planted by a river And even when the, st- the drought comes You're still drawing your water from the river You're still bearing fruit Everybody else is out in the dry ground And it's horrible But you've got your roots somewhere deep Somewhere in God there's some fruitfulness coming out of your life because you're trusting in God. You're trusting in Jesus, number one. I'll let you down, Jesse. I'll fail you. I'll let you know right now I'll fail you. But Jesus will never fail you. I'll try hard to listen to him so I don't fail you. And you try hard to listen to him so you don't fail me. But you know what? We're flawed and we're broken. And that's because we're flawed and we're broken. We ought not pass too much weight on there. We ought not sit too heavily on that seat because we know it's too flawed. Your faith is only good as the thing that you express your faith in. Jesus is faithful. he never leave you nor will he ever forsake you. You can put all your weight there. Just don't put too much weight here. In Psalm, Psalm 18 verse 30 tells us, As for God, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless this is his word it's flawless pick it up you start reading it you ask you ask I, I usually pray say, Jesus what do you want me to read today some of you might do that what do you want me to read today and you open it up like that it's amazing sometimes God speaks really clearly to you like that yeah says Jesse he's nodding his head you you found that what do you want to be bang and there it is bang it hits you right there like he, like he's faithful Others will just take and they'll start reading and maybe John, the book of John, they'll start reading and as they're going through the book of John, God starts speaking to them about things in their lives, you know. They might say, oh, I don't like the sound of that and they flick into the middle and they get somewhere into Psalms and then he says exactly the same thing to them in Psalms. Who's had that happen to them? Yeah, (laughs) oh, it's like, you thought you could get away from me? No way, I'm talking to you, you're doing business with me, says God. This is my word. I don't like that You flick somewhere else And the third time He gets you a third time He's like oh, oh put it away Don't read that Why? it's Talking to me mm-hmm. His word is flawless The Lord's word is flawless He shields those. You know Why would he be talking to you? Why would he be talking to you? Why would he be speaking to you? he would be speaking and talking to you Because he's wanting to tell you And he wanted to take Say keep you from harm's way You want to stop doing that Because disaster is waiting at his door It will clam on you And you'll feel it You want to come and listen to me and turn away from those things and walk towards me? Because if you don't keep on walking towards me, there's something waiting there to eat you up. God is reliable. You know why? He wants you to end up with him more than sometimes you even want to end up with him. He wants you to die in faith believing more than sometimes you even want to die in faith believing. His Holy Spirit is so passionate about you, he's willing to really give you a hard time while he gets and convinces you to keep walking with him. It's like he is the best. He is the best when it comes to. What's that thing they call when somebody looking at and chases somebody all the time? What's that called? Stalking. Oh, mate! God is the best stalker there ever is. You know why? Because when you think you're running away, where shall I go? Shall I go to the mountains? There you are. When I go to the deep valley, there you are. Where can I hide from your presence? You know, because I'm the best stalker there is. And I want to thank God for that. Because when I went away from Him and I started going to pubs and nightclubs and doing all the wrong things with all the wrong people, you know, He stalked me all the way. He stalked me all the way. He followed me all the way. He kept on talking. What are you doing here, Mark? What are you doing here? And when I was doing sin, he says, I'm watching you doing sin. I'm watching you doing sin. He's there watching. He's the best stalker there ever is. He's an eternal stalker. Thank God for that. Why? Why thank God for that? Because he's caring enough to stalk after you. If he was to abandon you and walk away from you, you would go plummeting into hell and you'd never be found again. You'd be in hell for eternity. Thank God for his stalking us. The presence of God stalks us. He, he, he comes to us. He, 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 you can get 14 years for stalking somebody. God wants to get you for eternity. That's why he's stalking us. We used to sing a song. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. Has he not said it, shall he not do it? Has he's not spoken? Shall he not make it good? It's about a. The children of Israel have come out of Egypt and they've crossed the Red Sea and they walked through the barren desert. God has fed them by day with uh, manna and quails. He's watered them with rock that comes out of, water that comes out of a huge rock. I mean, all of the stuff you can find on archaeological footings, you can actually see the rock that was split from top to bottom, see the water gush marks that are coming out. You can actually find all that. It's all the historical proof of the mountain on which God came down and gave the Ten Commandments. It's all there. It's there. It's all there. It's, this is not fairy tale. This is not mythology. This is actuality. This is history because we found the archaeological mountain with a burnt top on it. We found the altar at the bottom with all the things there. We found the rock that split from the top to the bottom. It's all there. I can, If you want to, come see me later. I'll give you a DVD with it and you can see it. The altar with the calf on it. That the altar is still there with all the calf engraved around the sides of it—it's all there. We didn't know it was there, but it's in Arabia, it's in the land of Arabia, and the uh, the, the Islamists are keeping everybody away from it. But we've got in there; we've got footage of it. And you can find it. Who's seen the mountain, the mountain of Senate? It? It's amazing, isn't it? Absolutely amazing. You know, so they're coming through the wilderness. This is not mythology, and this is not fairy tale. This is not legend. This is actuality. And as they're standing there, Balak says to Balaam, who's a witch doctor type thing, come and curse these people so that you're, he must have been a bad one. He must have been a really bad witch doctor, you know, a guy who could really conjure up evil. And so Balak says, come on, Balaam, you come and put a curse on all those people that's coming. And so Balaam's riding his donkey, he's going to get there and he's going to put a curse on them and God's going to kill Balaam because Balaam, these are God's people and Balaam, you're going to curse them. God's blessed them, you're going to curse them. Anyway, an the donkey speaks to him and says, you want to not do that? Is the an angel going to chop your head off if you keep on going? The donkey speaks to him, stop him. It sounds like a fairy tale. mustn't have been a fairy tale because we know it happened. He gets up there and he makes these words. God is not a man that he should lie. He's, given, he's meant to be pronouncing now a curse over Jerusalem. He's, he's looking down at the tents of Jerusalem, all, there, all the tents of the Jews, all there. He's looking down over them. He's looking over the tents of the Jews as they're wandering through the wilderness and he's beginning to, he's going to pronounce a curse on them so that all the evil spirits can come in and destroy them. And he says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. He says, he's blessed them and I can't curse them. And so he blesses this people. God says, you're not going to curse them because they're blessed. God doesn't lie. When God says he's going to do something, he follows through. The devil might have other plans. The devil might have a different mind. He might say, I'm going to break you down. I'm going to mess you up. I'm going to make you sick. And I'm going to break you off from the kingdom of God. Well, guess what? That's what the devil said. God is not a man that he should lie to. If God said he's going to save you and he's going to keep you and he's going to take you through, that's exactly what he will do. I don't care what the devil tells you in your head. I don't care what you feel in your guts. It's not the point. What God said is the point. What God says is the issue. When God says it, that settles it, that should settle it for you. you just got to go back there and say, Lord, I believe what you said. I believe your word. I don't care what I feel. I don't care what I think. I don't care what people are saying to me. I trust you. I'm putting my hand in your hand. I'm going with you. I'm going forward. I'm not going backward. I'm going to go on. You are not a man that you should lie. You've told me you'll keep me safe. I'm trusting you. What are you doing? What are you doing? Are you trusting God? Are you Are listening to people who who got no... Business are talking junk into your head. What are you doing? Are you trusting God or are you listening to people? What are you doing? Are you trusting God or are you listening to your emotions? What are you doing? Are you trusting God or listening to your feelings? What are you doing? Are you trusting God? God is not a man that he should lie. It says that as we know him, he's able to cause our faith to grow even better. It says in Psalm 9 verse 9 to 10 The Lord is a shelter for the oppressed A refuge In the time of trouble Those who know your name Trust in you For you O Lord Do not abandon those who search For you Without a doubt Jesse You're going to run into the war Without a doubt Not many days from now, you're going to run straight into it. As are everybody else. From not many days from now, we are all going to face situations that are going to be difficult. But it's in those difficult times that you have to make a choice. And that's what God allows those difficult times for. He says, I let the difficult time come because I want you to make a choice. I will be there to help you. I will be there to inspire you. I'll be there to strengthen you. But I'm not going to stop it from hitting you because when it hits you, I want you to stand up and fight back. It will come. It will come and assault you. It will come and whisper in your ear. It will come and suggest that you should do this. It will come and try and undermine your walk forward. But Jesse, you want to say, I am not going to trust in anything else, but I'm going to trust my, trust my in God. I'm going to move forward in God. The difficult times will come. But it's at those times, if you learn to call on Jesus, then your strength will come. He says, I'll let the times come. So you call on me. And when you call on me, you'll find I never abandon you. You'll find that I was always there for you. I was young, but now I am old. And I have learned one thing in these years that I have lived. That every time I called to the Lord, he was there for me and he answered my prayers. When I didn't know where I was going to get enough money to buy a new car, I sat down on my knees and I said, Lord, I don't know where I'm going to, my car, we were pioneering a church, we were pushing a car, pushing a car to get it started. Nathan in the back with the PA gear behind him, Jenny in the seat, and I'd push it and jump in and clutch started. Couldn't, the car was clapped out, it was just stuffed. We weren't earning any money to buy a new car. And I got on my knees before God and said, God, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I can't drive this car anymore. I can't keep on doing what you want me to do anymore. My car's busted. And I said, God, I don't know what you're going to do, but God, can you give me a car? I don't know where it's going to come from. And you know what? God gave me a car. God gave me a car. I got a a call. My dad didn't know anything about it. He didn't know I'd pray that, did you? My dad didn't know anything about it. He rang me up and says, your mother and I want to do something for you. We know you're out there doing it tough. So we prayed about it and we thought we'd buy you a new car. Yeah. Well, you know what? It wasn't my dad here on earth that supplied that. It was my father in heaven who heard the prayers of a man on his knees before God. God, I need you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many days did I push that thing? How many times did I feel that I've gone too far? I've gone far enough. I can't go any further. How, how many times did I feel that? And I look at other people driving their new cars and I think, you know, serving you, God, it's like, it's like walking on the wrong side of the road because it's so poor here. It's so broken here. How many times did we go through that and think I can't, this is despairing, you know, it's despairing. All that we could do for you, but we just, our resources, God, are so small. And every time, every time we called out to God, every time he was faithful and true, he never abandoned us. He came through every single time. So what do you learn from that? You learn that he is faithful, that he is faithful. You can put your faith there because it's solid. It's a solid rock on whom we stand. Christ the solid rock on whom I stand no earthly sinking sand Jesus the rock that lasts forever that's where I'm standing friends I'm standing on Jesus and then I'm standing on Jesus I can put my hand and grab you because I'm not going to move anywhere because Jesus is not moving anywhere I'm stable ground when I'm standing on Jesus turn around to the person beside you and say you're stable if you're standing on Jesus Just the final one. Jesus, was the disciples, he'd call the disciples and he's just, says, come with me for a ride in the boat. I'll climb into the boat. And we'll row out there, put the sail up. Out into the middle of the Sea of Galilee, they go, big sea. Gets choppy out there. Jesus finds himself, a little place in the back of the boat, just sits down there must have not been a big boat but you can imagine the water slipping and slapping on the sides you know and they're all feeling kind of happy and cool they're rowing out there with Jesus in the boat you know everything's cool and great you know so Jesus goes to sleep in the back of the boat rocking and stuff like that you know and then the wind picks up <laughs> Jesus is still asleep in the boat. Well, you know, it's got... Now, these are fishermen, so they're used to the rough sea, you know? This is... Uh, now they're freaking out. They're sitting, uh, this is really rough now. They figure those those white crests, are they... What are they? Four or five meters above us. They are... Whoa! We're in the middle of this huge demonic storm. We're in the middle of this storm that's going to drown us. We're all going to die here. Jesus is still asleep in the back of the boat. How can you sleep in the back of the boat? We're going to drown. We're drowning here. The water's in the... Come on, get the water out. Come on. Go, John, Get that out, Peter. Go, get it out. So they run down to the back of the boat. Wake up, Jesus. Wake up. Wake up. Can't you see we're going to die? Wake up. He looks at them and he speaks to it. Be still. And the thing is cool. Like it's calm. And they, who is this guy? Then he speaks to the storm and it settles and the wind stops and the rain stops. Who is this guy? And Jesus looks at them and says, Oh, you of little faith. The boat wasn't going to go down. Jesus was in the boat. The boat never goes down with Jesus in it. You put Jesus in your life. You might hit a storm. You might say, wake up, God. Why can't you see what you're doing here? I'm going to die. He says, I'm in the boat. Don't worry. I'm not, you're not going to go down. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'll never leave you nor will I ever forsake you. I'm with you. I'm in the boat with you. You can't sink when I'm in the boat. And what was Jesus doing while he's sleeping there? I'm imagining him sitting there thinking, blow a little bit harder. They haven't reached freak out time yet. Blow a little harder. I can hear them yelling and bailing. Blow a little bit harder, God. Yeah, they're they're freaking out now. Why did he do that? Because he wanted them to put his faith in him. So why would Jesus allow you to go through some rough times? For this very reason. Because he wants to teach you to put your faith in him. Because he will never fail. And why does he want you to do that? Because he has planned to walk with you, Brad, for the rest of your days. He said to you, Brad, come with me. You don't have to trust yourself. You don't have to trust your own might or your own strength. Come with me. Because we're going to go through life together. We're going to walk together through life. And you, you're not going to know where you're going. I'm going to know. I'm going to take you some places you've never been before, Brad. And you're not going to be in control of those situations. People are going to do things to you that you're not going to like. but you just trust me. You no, know? you walk with me. Just walk with me now. You can't see where you're going because you can't see what I see. But I know where I'm taking you and I'm taking you someplace. So just come with me. And I know it's getting rough now. And you can feel the pain of that hitting against you. And I can feel you can, this is all happening to you here now. And it's not nice. But don't let go of my hand because I'm with you. I'm trusting. You can trust me. And that's what God does he takes take you through some tough times so that you could stay with him because this is not religion. This is not religion. Sunday, do your right thing. Put your money in the plate. Although, put your money in the plate. <laughs> this is not about that. This is about a relationship with God. This is about walking with Almighty God, the creator of the heaven and earth. We're going to walk together into eternity. This is the beginning of new life and it starts here and it never ends. You can. We're going to pass through the valley of the shadow of death now, Brad. Can you handle dying? It's just a doorway to eternity. I'm with you here. Come on, come through the valley of the shadow of death. We're going to come to a place, new life in Jesus, new heaven. We come through that now. We're living forever with him. That's it. That's a walk with God. Faith is trusting in relationship with Jesus. Why? Because he's daddy God and we're his children. We're all part of the family. And he wants us to move on. Amen? Amen? Let's stand up, shall we? Just bow your heads and close your eyes. Now you've been, some of you have been tossed around this week. You've been, you've been tossed around and things have been thrown at you and you feel like, oh, this is just getting too hard. You just feel, oh, it's just too hard. It's just too hard. I want to let you know Jesus knows all about it and he loves you. He cares about it. I want you to raise your hands like you're putting your arms up to be getting a big hug from God. Just raise your hands like right there. If you've been going through that hardship and that difficult time, just raise up your arms like that. You're going to say, oh, Jesus, we just come now. We give you a big hug. Father, just touch each heart and each life, Lord Jesus, that pours out to you right now. Lord, you strengthen them, Father, for the walk this week. You help them, Lord Jesus, to overcome every obstacle, Lord Jesus. You said you would never leave us, nor would you ever forsake us. We put our confidence and our trust and our reliance and our dependence on you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being here for us. Thank you for making the way open for us, Lord Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.